Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. How are we doing this morning? Okay. Has God been moving in the service already or what? Come on, somebody. Wow, what an incredible morning we had. Well, this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different for our message today. We actually have an incredible panel today that we are going to, going to be rotating out through service where today we're, we're going to have a panel and kind of the title of it this morning been in the Summer Loving Series. How good has Summer Loving been? Come on, relationships, let's go. And uh, so this morning, we're going to continue that series. We're actually going to finish it off this morning with our panel. And the title of our panel conversation is actually Relationships in the Wild. Somebody say Relationships in the Wild. Relationships in the Wild. Because for us, we understand that we are a church that has people of all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different experiences when it comes to love, sex, marriage, divorce, wherever you find yourself in the relational side of life right now and so for us what we're going to do today is we're going to have a rotating panel and it's incredible because we're going to have a single person we're going to have a person who's in a relationship but not married we're going to hear from people who have been through divorce and have come out on the other side of that where their life is at now remarrying blending a family and we're going to hear from some absolute veterans of the marriage game this morning who have just you know, 20 plus years of marriage experience and, and following Jesus in, in the midst of all of the craziness. None of us are perfect. All of us have histories and background. And if you heard any of my messages in this series, you would know Matt's got history, okay? Yeah. So today, we're just peeling it all back. We're going to talk about it. Somebody say, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. And uh, we're going to see what the Lord will do with that. Does that sound good? Yeah. Awesome. Should I check this one more time? No. Oh, is it dead? Just, I'm going to take it off then. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ow! Okay. Uno momento. Take it off. Take it off. Take it off. Huh? Not here, babe. Stop it. Stop it. Gross. Inappropriate. Okay. Gross. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> awesome. Well, this morning, fantastic. Scott, if you want to maybe give them a hand, uh, if we could have Adrian, Zach, and Amy come to the stage. Come on. This is going to be so much fun. All right, is that, uh, Scott, I'm going to put Adrian's kind of right here without falling down. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Awesome. Huh? That's good. All right. Yeah. 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 I'm on the edge of glory. Oh, my goodness. I'm on the edge of glory. Y'all didn't know I used to be a worship leader. Okay. Anyways, I'm just kidding. Every pastor says that now, and that's so annoying. You know what we hear me sing? Fantastic. Well, let me introduce everybody. This is my beautiful wife, Adrienne. Come on, somebody. Come on, Adrienne. We've been together like eight years, right? We've been married for like five, more than five. It's been like seven. No, it's been like eight years. No, I was a young cub when you came and robbed the cradle. And it's true. It's true. Um, it's so true and fantastic. Um, we've been married for quite a while, and we have gone through a lot of life. Yes, we have done a lot of life at the cause of myself and your grace. That's right. Praise God, and uh, you are the embodiment. Yeah, my in-laws in the house, letting me remind them of why they have gray hair. Uh, it's good. Love you. Love you. Thanks for being a great example. Uh, and then we also have Amy. Come on, he's an amazing worship. Amy, you are off the market. You are dating someone named Evan. Come on, Evan. We love you. Couldn't be here today, but uh, yeah, he's awesome. You guys have been together how long? You guys got to share a microphone. Three and a half months? Four months? Yeah. Come on! I like that. It does seem like longer. And Zach, our incredible, one of our core leaders in our core team. I know, we, we could have had more microphones. Uh, I was planning on having one in my, you know. Um, oh, hey, look at that. How nifty. It's like she works here or something. This is so good. Um, and Zach, you are currently single. I am. You are? I'm so single. What are, you, what, are you, what are you looking for? We're working on it, baby. Oh. Uh, well, how much time do you have? 
if there's some ladies in the place with style and grace, why don't you uh, let them know what you're looking for? He's going to kill me. Alright. What about the questions? Oh, so good. Uh, he's looking for someone who works out and loves the Lord. Uh, reverse order, obviously. Uh, but yes, so right now we want to kind of have a conversation uh, with two people. One who's in a recent relationship and one who is not in a relationship. And we really want to see where God falls into that and kind of what that looks like. So we're going to kind of bop around a little bit. We're going to have the questions pop up on the screen so you guys can see it. Um, but Zach and Amy, um, it's 2020 and dating is a completely different thing now than it was five years ago, which is so true. That whole Tinder swipe right thing, totally missed Adrian and I. That, that happened in like... I don't even know if dating apps were a thing at that point. So, um, yeah, it, which is awesome. Praise God. I'm grateful I didn't have to fight figure that out. Um, let's swipe them left. I don't know. Right. Uh, but so, Scott, uh, sorry, for Zach and Amy. So, what role has social media played in your dating life? Who you been stalking? <laughs> um, I think it's. Man, it's. Um, it's weird because there's a lot of options all at right. one time without yeah. actually having a lot of substance sure. and, yeah, and actually knowing anybody. And then you're thinking like, okay, like I'm hitting it off with this person, but at the same time, they might be swiping, they might be stalking, and it's like, okay, but how many, like, this guy might have a better profile than me. Right. Yeah. And be like, maybe I'll stop here and I'll just like test the waters on this profile that's, you know, he's got some nice hair and filters and whatever it might be. It was like, maybe I can't compete with that. Or it's, but so it's like, I just feel like it's really easy to jump around right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's the level of social media as in like Instagram and all those things that can make relationships appear to be like the best thing ever and like this big achievement. But, um, and then there's the level of the dating apps, which is kind of what we're talking about. Um, and I've done the, I've been on those like on and off. Um, but like Zach said, like it's so easy to kind of like edge a sketch, like go back and forth to like all these different things. And then you're like, yeah, like I bet there are girls who have like way better profiles than mine. I really want to be authentic and I really ultimately want to meet someone in person, you know? And like you, I, for me, I go back and, or went back and forth and just like, I don't need this, you know, put it away. And then I'm like, yeah, maybe, 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 you know, I'm not really talking to anybody. Yeah. But, um, and then, yeah, then you experience the like half-hearted conversations. And then eventually I was at the point of like, I'm so sick of having little conversations, yeah. but like there are people who are actively meeting people and getting engaged off these apps. So those definitely affect our day and age. And I imagine the um, generation behind us even more. Wow. Um, okay, I'm gonna pick a fun one. This is actually number six. I'm gonna skip around a little bit. Um, wow, you're crazy. <laughs> who, who should pay on dates, the guy or the girl? Um, my opinion. <laughs> it, it used to be um, in the, my last relationship slash past relationships, I was like absolutely the guy's paying and then I didn't really have a like this is the time in my mind that like I should speak up and suggest paying I mean I did in the beginning but like think you know just hesitantly I'm like but please you know yeah. and then over time though now it like is very authentic between Evan and I but like um like if it's his idea like he's pretty good at initiating but like he paid for you know the first time we went out yeah. and then after that it just was really natural i'm super independent so i'm like i got this um and he'll be like are you sure i'm like yeah dude like yeah. so for me i like the back and forth because there's it's not just up to him there are two sides in a relationship so if it's my idea, then I'm like, if, you know, I'm cool with paying for it. But I think there is a level of chivalry, if that still exists for people. It should. That I think if you want to go out and like pursue, like, it's just a nice gesture. So um, there's still a level that he definitely outweighs me. But I like having the ability to feel like I have weight and can provide yes. a little bit. So. Yeah, in my opinion, she pays every time. I'm unemployed. That's why he's still looking. I'm unemployed. I, you know, yo, I'm not already those first times. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I will pay. Um, but as the relationship goes on, I think the same answer. Um, 
is like at first I'm going to pay as much as I can until she's like, no, please. Yeah. Like you have to, you might have to beat me away with the checkbook, but um, eventually when I'm gonna let you. And let you to be honest, like sometimes like for people who are single, like it's almost like it's weird how as confident as I can be in some ways, how hesitant and like nerve wracking it is to think like, oh, could I pay? But like, with the right person, and if you just have the open co communication in the beginning, then it just happens. Then you just naturally like take out your card or your cash or whatever, and just do it. But that's because you realize there are two people in a relationship. But yeah. Yeah. Same answer. I made a lot of jokes, but same answer. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, we're gonna keep skipping around a little bit just because this is a, it's a lot more fun on the fly. Um, Here's here's kind of a here's a little bit of a softball question. How essential is fun in the beginning of the relationship? Okay. Um, well, for those of you who know me, I'm always looking for fun. Um, usually, um, I think it's essential. Um, if somebody, especially in the first few dates, or even if on a friendship level, I'm like, are they bringing out like? fun, energy, like authentic me, which is usually pretty bubbly, like going, like really engaging. And now granted, someone's not gonna be on the exact same page as me, but I think having fun is huge. Going on adventures, planning things, somebody like the opposite person, the other person, significant other, suggesting something fun. I'm like, ooh, that's intriguing. Ooh, yeah, I wanna be a part of that. Instead of just always the same old, same old. To me, I'm like, there's so much more to life, and that's just me in general, so if somebody can bring a level of fun and energy, then I'm like, I, I want to be on I that I think too. that too often we've seen people start dating, and it's like, serious yeah. like that. It's like, whoa, you're supposed to have fun for at least Six four weeks. months. <laughs> four months of fun before you get that's to cray-cray. And it, so. yeah, there, there's a level of intentionality in my relationship, but it's also like, we're exploring and getting to know each other. Let's see each other in different circumstances and like the fun things and family things and trips and stuff like that. Yeah. So keeping it fun and alive is huge, but also real. So there's a level of like, let's just do fun things so we don't have to talk about anything serious. But you, I mean, if you are being intentional like that, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, if you find the right person, they're gonna, they're gonna be fun, yeah. I think there's two types of fun. There's the fun of a roller coaster but you're not gonna go and talk about it. You're not gonna be like, do you remember when we were went down and then we went up? And then it's like, <laughs> it's Nobody does that, it's not. I mean, it's, it's a type of fun, it's fun in the moment, but it's not fun after. It's not like, you know. But there are there is a type of fun that comes from going through something crazy, going through a hard time, going through... Uh, it's building. It's a building thing, yeah. like an adventure, that I think is, it's, that's the fun that I think is really important, really sustain as we go through something together yeah. that you can talk about, you can like learn from. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, of course it's important. Um, but I think there's two types where if you are vibing with just the roller coaster type fun, well, there's a deeper type of fun that you yes. should really try to make sure that you have that connection with um, before you get crazy. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. One of the, we're going to get a little more serious um, on the back half of this. Um, one of the things I've noticed in the church today is, uh, how do I want to put it? Um, people not knowing what season they're in, which is really annoying, because uh, it means that we have to work a lot harder to help you out. And I'm just like, I'm here for you, and I love you. But if you just knew your season right now, you would understand where God has you, what God has for you. And so one of the questions that I want to pose today, not in a legalistic way, please please don't misconstrue this as some like 1970s Baptist church in, in Louisiana, okay? Please don't, please don't misconstrue this. Should you, before you begin dating, or not maybe should you, would it be wise for you before you begin dating to consult your spiritual authority before going on the date or accepting the date. That could be a life crew leader, that could be somebody in your life that's, that you look up to spiritually as a mentor, it could be your pastors. Would that be wise to consult spiritual authority in your life before you begin the dating season? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I didn't necessarily go to my pastors, but, um, but I think there's a level for me is I, I mean, shortly after, but um, that it was like, 
I want to let somebody in and let them know in this in this new relationship. Like I want to let them know that I'm gonna like go meet this new person and this is what they're about. And as I was talking to them, which was my mom um, and my younger sister taking notes, and I was like. Um, um, hey, I'm meeting this person. Here's how our paths strangely crossed with knowing similar people and not having met. But just saying that out loud made me think too, like, yeah, this is somebody that I would actually like to get to know. And then my mom was able to pour in her um, her thoughts and like wisdom too, just saying, yeah, like this sounds good. Sounds like you're going about it well. Yep, that's a good place to have that first date. So had I been more confident, I would have done that in the past every single time. Right. Because letting somebody in makes it less scary for you because you know there's somebody to lean back on and it shows you like, I'm just going to get to, to know the person um, and I have somebody who's gonna ask me about it. So there's a level of accountability of yeah. just like yeah. not, it won't turn into a dangerous thing of a one night stand or uh, like, or it's a daytime thing. It won't turn into like something ugly if you have somebody. Yeah. Up, so. I think, yeah, definitely should be somebody. Uh, my yep. person is usually CJ. Um, Hi, CJ. When I'm going to go see somebody, I'm like, here's this girl, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I might do, and afterwards, we talk about it. Um, but yeah, I think it's incredibly important to make sure that you have somebody and that are like trying to help you fill in the blanks of like what. You're so close to it. You want it so bad. You want to like everybody wants to fall in love. Yeah. But to have somebody on the outside who's like, okay, reel in. Like you haven't talked about this. You haven't yeah. mentioned this. Where's she at with this and this that? And, and I would add to making sure that it's somebody of faith, just because they're able to. Checkpoint. Yeah, because like he said, you know, spiritual authority. So even no matter how you view that person, but if there's a place of faith and they're able to challenge you like Zach said, or like my mom's able to challenge me or come up with something that um, I might not be able to, they can challenge you. But if you just go to a friend who's maybe not super strong in their faith or pursuing, they might not be able to give you the same. You could tell them if you want to, but... For me personally, um, going on a date for the first or second time, I keep between a small circle of people who yeah. are solid. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Because I need it. No, 100%. And, um, you know, we have a light to our path. And you can't, if, if you ask somebody who's not a believer, you can't ask a blind person to tell you what you're missing, what right. you're not seeing. Um, so I think that's incredibly wise. And I know for sure you you two have have had conversations oh, yes. about Absolutely. about all of that. And, yep. and so. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important. Um, before we get to this part, it is that was that was just a paragraph question. So um, we're gonna mix in questions three and four together. So um, just uh, take both these at the same time. So obviously, biblical boundaries are essential to a healthy, holy dating relationship. One, how have you seen this play out in your own relationship? Good or bad experiences? Okay as well as what kind of boundaries have you put in place in order to uh, either not have sex before marriage or not have sex again before marriage. Take it away. I've, uh, me and Adrienne talked about this on a podcast. I, uh, when's that dropping, Z? Hold me to it this week. Oh. You heard of church? You heard of Temple uh, Podcast? Spotify. Come <laughs> You're welcome. Brought to you by Temple Films. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, I've always had a hard time with just like I I know what I hold true to, I know what what I want, and I um, let's get super real for a second. People love the soap opera stuff. Here it is. So uh, so I was uh, talking to this girl, and all of a sudden, like I was talking to Matt and Adrienne, and how I see my life is that I am cooking a meal that I just want to sit down with somebody and eat. And this girl told me, I was like, she said, something's missing. And I'm like, well, I can find missing things. <laughs> like, I'll find it. Like, I was like, Talk to me about it. Let's figure this thing out. But uh, it hasn't happened yet. And um, uh, I get to this place, whether it's healthy or it's not. Um, you know, the Frank Ocean song, Thinking About She was like, I've been thinking about you. You now know. Thinking about you. Do you know? Or that? How's it go? I've been thinking about forever. And that's like that's 
what I'm like. That's what I'm I. That's what I'm like, and I I take it very seriously. Yes. I'm I'm not I'm not playing any games. Right. And, so I talked to Matt and Adrian. I just had to go over there. I was I was done. Like that's my biggest fear is that I'm going to live the way that I believe God wants me to live, but I'm not going to be rewarded for it when I want to be rewarded for it. I've been cooking this meal, so I went I went home last week, and uh, I was just like my parents noticed something was wrong with me. I was quiet and just sad. So my mom was like, Zach, what's going on? I'm like, I'm just sad. Um, this girl said something's missing. Like, I've been thinking and preparing this meal forever. And so I was, I was going to bed, and I was like, hey, Mom, can you tuck me in? She's like, yeah, I'll be right, I'll be right now. I'm, like, I'm 24 years old. I'm a man. I'm still a man. Uh, but but I, I go downstairs, and I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm just, like, staring at the ceiling. And, um, like, I'm laying there. And you know when your mom comes tuck you in, she sits down on the bed, and her weight, like, makes the bed, like, kind of, Chef C roll towards her, and I just, it's not funny, man, but I just started, I just started crying, and she's talking to me, and um, I just looked at the ceiling, I was like, God said it's not good for man to be alone, and she knew everything that I was saying in that moment, she's like, remember when you were sick, and I sang Jesus loves you, it's like, do you want me to do that, I was like, <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> so, dude, so I'm just crying, and she's just there. And I was, I told her, I was like, how come I can't just be a normal cultural Christian, and God can bless me with this girl, and then I can become a weird Christian? And then I can be like, but like I did it backwards. I'm the weird guy. <laughs> That narrows it down for me. I got like less, a smaller, you know, yeah, group. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, why can't I do it the other way? Why can't I just be a good guy and then go into this this realm of the crazy stuff? And uh, I'm going the other way around. I'm just sick of waiting. I just want it. I'm preparing this meal, and every girl after girl, it's like something's gone. Something's missing from this table. It's like it's. I'm willing to find anything. <laughs> and so that is really hard thing for me to try to uphold that and keep those boundaries. It's yeah. like I would much rather slip, I would much rather do it the other way, but I just have this foundation, this thing in my life that it's like, you might think so, but I promise you, man, God's blessing on the other side of the fight is come always worth it. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, that's good, dog. You're always right, but... <laughs> not a part of who you are yeah. that yeah. is missing from the table yeah. right. there is you know this like open sexuality that is missing from the table when it comes to Zach Kramer and there's there's things that aren't there that she that they might think is strange but and not to sound cheesy I'm not gonna sing to you like your mom but um, <laughs> to be real to be real like that is what significantly separates you from so many other yeah, people. Yeah. Like, and, and there is such beauty in that, even though it feels isolating right now. Yeah. There is such strength in that, even though it feels isolating right now. You're not alone. He's yeah. working things for your good. You're just going to have to keep working on that feast, baby. Yeah. You know, Gordon Ramsay, this nice. thing. Just keep on doing it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like it, what, what's missing is what she's not bringing to the table. Right. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so hmm, I'm on the opposite, sort of different side of the spectrum because um, we're talking about like boundaries and setting spiritual boundaries and whatnot. Um, so, like, to avoid going into super detail, um, grew up in a Christian home, knew what, you know, like, don't have sex before marriage looked like and sounded like and all that. Um, so then I yeah, went through the realm of life. I'm going to skip through a lot of details. Cause um, all the details and um, and just experienced a level of like one what it is to feel feelings as a young adult towards somebody else and then two like what's appropriate so like this realm of like I know what I need to do but what I have chosen to do isn't like living up to that standard and so after going through a lot of um, I don't know what to call them but going through a lot of experiences um, 
I came out on the other side of having people in my corner saying like, hey, yeah, like let me into your corner. And I finally was like, all right, everything is leaving me dry because I didn't have boundaries. And so it was like, it just, I don't know, there's this level of like, I've always known, I mean, of course, I've always known what to be true. I can show face and be like, yeah, I'm doing the right things, but I'm not. And so all of this on the other side, getting out of a toxic, like bad past relationship um, to the point where it was like controlling and not healthy, finally it was like I had to take some big altering to me steps that were like I'm physically moving away from that person, I'm physically getting even more, I mean I was getting involved in church, but even more so, so I wasn't tempted. Um, I mean, scripture, obviously, and prayer, those have always been huge things, but making that even larger. And so, um, as I then went into singleness for a few years, I experienced a ton of what Zach experienced of just like this, yeah, we're working on my purpose, this is fine, and then I'm like, I'm so lonely, and everybody has this, and I'm not trying to compare, but social media, and like all these things, to the other side, then I felt like when there was total surrender, it was like, God completely washed that. It was like, okay, you're gonna experience these moments of lonely, but like your family and your friends fill that void. I fill that void ultimately every single time. If you have people pouring into you actively, you're not gonna be focused as much on what you don't have. I'm still human, so I'm going to. But, um, so then it finally, like for me, by the grace of God, it was like, okay, I'm not turning back then. I'm gonna work on my purpose. God brought me back to Grand Rapids. I mean, South Bend was great, but like brought me back to Grand Rapids, working for a ministry, now working for Takeover, um, in a relationship that I could not have imagined. And like, that's not a like, yay me. I had to go through the trenches. And it was when I was focused on nothing but what my relationship with the Lord looks like, what my relationship, how am I pouring into and being poured into. And like, yeah, focusing on that. And then, real quick, um, in the current relationship that I'm in, is we have to talk about boundaries a lot in all stages. So it's like, okay, this is where we are not going past. Right. And it's it could be uncomfortable, but we started the relationship very intentional. We're like, this is why we're here. We're not here just to hang out and see if it works. We're here because ultimately goal is marriage for somebody. And that's a big thing to look at, but it's like in order for us to get there, like this is, God has given us both the chance to do it right. Yeah. And because he redeems and redeemed us. So we've talked about shame, we've talked about different things, and it's like if we both have Christ first, he's going to remain the center. So we're going to freaking talk about boundaries as many times as it takes because we want to see his goodness at the very end of the race. So long story short-ish, um, yeah, it's okay to have to reset your boundaries. Yeah. And because you have a high standard, there is somebody who's gonna meet that. And there's gonna be somebody who's like, I actually want to and enjoy the struggle with you because I see who you are. Yeah. So. Wow, that's so good. Guys, can you make some noise for Zach and Andy? I believe that's all we have for you, singles and unmarried today, but it's a privilege to share the stage with you. Thank you so much for speaking. Come on, guys. pastor here. He's preaching next week while Adrian and I are gone on vacay. He's running the show, so expect a little bit of uh, youth pastor fun in there, and you know, it's basically going to be a rave next week. Am I over? Am I over promising? No. Definitely. I heard there were, yeah, say, I heard there was all rules. No rules man. Sure can it. Oh, it, it don't hold apart. Yeah. Oh, come it's, on. Uh, you're not going to be here, so. We're having a cage fight. So they're going to light things on fire. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Please don't. Uh, so, good. Shani, how are you? I'm good. Doing well? Yeah. Shani is our resident Australian. Come on, every yes. church needs an Australian. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, just to kind of start things off the bat, um, 
Scott, you were previously married at, at some point in your, in your life before Shandy came along. And so briefly, um, not to spend so much time on the divorce part of it, but, but more on the you and Shandy and the beginnings um, of that. How did you guys know? Like one, tell everybody how you met, which is a good story. But two, how did you know that you wanted to marry each other? Um, yeah, so like Matt said, I was previously married. Um, that ended, um, obviously, I mean, a marriage doesn't end good usually, um, but it wasn't a great situation for myself. Um, and then I kind of went through a few years of um, not a great time. And then my younger brother had uh, gone to Hillsong College in Australia. And he went to school there. He was there for two years. And at the end of those two years, um, he had met uh, his now wife there, who um, was also going to school there from the States. Yep. And um, at the end of their time there, they were having a graduation ceremony and they were getting married there. So we, as a family, all went over there to um, go to the wedding and to watch them graduate and everything, which was really cool. Um, but Shani was actually my sister-in-law's roommate at the time um so that is i mean you're that guy god god works <laughs> exactly yeah god works some crazy things out though um because we ended up meeting um on that trip and then picked him up from the train station <laughs> yeah and then continuing to um to just talk long distance and, and do that and visit a couple times and that's kind of how our relationship started there so yeah Shandy, were you ever worried about marrying, marrying someone who had been divorced? And you are a stepmother as well. Yeah. Um, surprisingly, it didn't really bother me. Um, people, like a lot of people ask me that, but it never really phased me. Um, yeah, that's really much it. Like, I, I just was fine with it. Yeah, it's awesome. I know that we, we, at a different point, we had someone else who was dating someone who had been previously married and had children, and I had discussed it with Scott, and he said that people that are willing to date someone who's been through a divorce and has children are such a godsend because yeah. people who often are divorced and have children feel like like there's no chance you know yeah. that there's there it's ever going to happen for them again so that was really eye-opening when we had that discussion and obviously you're such a wonderful mother to Evelyn and yeah, it's just it's beautiful to see this whole thing happening yeah it absolutely is and and you know, you guys have been married about a year now, a little bit over a year. Come yeah, on, somebody. Yeah, last month. Yeah. Year last month. Yeah. What, what would you say, in both of you, what would you say is the biggest thing that God has taught you individually in your first year of marriage? Yeah. Um, I can go. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is to just be really intentional. I, like, kind of growing up, I was that person who, um, you know, you have your friends kind of like a an interstate friend, let's just say for an example, and uh, you love them, but you don't actually like, I, didn't, I wouldn't message them to like be like, hey, how's it going, like just checking in, mm -hmm. but in my mind, I'm like, they know, I, they know I love them, you know what I mean, so it's kind of the same thing where you have to like show that you love someone, yeah. and be intentional, set that time apart, like give them words of information, whatever their love language is, and so I think just being really intentional was the biggest thing for me. That's good, that's yeah. good. That's good. Um, I think for mine, uh, the biggest thing that the Lord has taught me over the last year of marriage is that I am selfish. Um, that, <laughs> That's a pretty man. And that, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like I just, I'm a human, and I think about myself first most of the time, um, and just that I need to continually be like dying to myself in order to um, put her needs first yeah. and to. Um, just make sure that she's taken care of. So. That's good for that's good advice, like marriage-wise, wherever. Like if you've been in it for 50 years or if you're just yeah. starting dating, like dying to self and putting the other person first is huge. It's gigantic. And uh, yeah, that is a good one to learn on your first year of marriage. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Well, I mean, We've still got a lot to learn. <laughs> no, absolutely. You, you two are two of our, I know we're not allowed to because the book of Timothy tells you not to choose favorites, but you're two of our favorite people to hang out with. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but you really are, and it's a joy to watch 
Um, you both grow as, as pastors and leaders and as husband and wife and as parents. And, and so one thing I'm kind of curious about, just because of, of the divorce aspect of things, um, what would you say has been the biggest challenge uh, or biggest obstacle for you to overcome in that first year of marriage when it comes to having a blended family? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I knew from the minute I met Scott that he had a daughter. And so that was always something that I expected knowing that I was going to marry him. Um, <laughs> um, but I think the, the biggest struggle would probably just be like, I, I, I thought it would be, you know, pretty easy. But, you know, growing up, you think you're going to marry someone and be just two of you. You know? yeah. So yeah. yeah, coming into it being the three of us, yeah. that was probably the biggest struggle. Just learning how that works, and um, you know, not getting frustrated that we didn't have a child as well. Yeah. So I think yeah, that was the biggest struggle. Um, you know, yeah. that's yeah. probably yeah. yeah, yeah. For me, I think um, I mean it is that adjustment of previously being married and then being single with a, a child. Yeah. And just that navigating, because you have a child, still navigating that, that previous broken relationship yeah. and trying to keep that um, civil and, yes. and a good situation for right. my daughter. Um, and then when Shannon came over, it was um, trying to balance that whole dynamic and not letting this situation, as stressful and as, as not great as it can be sometimes, affect how like how I'm feeling personally and how, like you know, I'm into our relationship. Uh, I think that's been the biggest thing for me to try to, to navigate through is just um, being being intentional about not letting that impact how we are yes. together. So and I will say that um, y'all love Jesus, but that doesn't mean that the other side of the family loves Jesus right. and isn't experiencing as much freedom as you guys are experiencing. And I just want to say that. Um, it has been really incredible to see how the prayer here and in this community has affected the other side of your family. Because even if they don't call Jesus Lord, even if they don't, you know, understand everything, He still works within those people. He can He works to your good, and um, that has just been mind blowing to see. I know, I know that it's just blown your minds too. But for me, on the outside, I'm not, not even a part of it. It's been like it's been it's been crazy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, and, and part of and part of marriage is, is it's we like to use the word balance, but really it's kind of finding your rhythm. Like, because how many of you guys know life is hardly ever balanced? <laughs> like, you, you you would like to have a healthy you know Venn diagram of what your life looks like and, and a pie chart and all these things and be like, this is you know this is balanced. This is what life looks like. Rarely is that the case. Even more so in marriage. And so you come in year one, got a kid. All the whole nine yards. You got another family that you kind of have to interact with for the benefit of your kid and the sanity of yourselves. All the while trying to remain within the rhythm of God. And so, kind of a question I wonder about for you guys is how have how have you navigated newlywed child blended family while trying to keep Christ at the center of your marriage? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, first of all, I mean, like she already said, she knew from the from the beginning that I had a kid, and I mean, I give her a lot of credit because she, from the moment that we started talking, I mean, it was pretty much I, I pretty much laid it out there and was like, hey, I would like to see something happen between us, but if that's going to be the case, then you just need to know off the bat, like I have Evelyn here, and. <clears throat> You're gonna have to move here. Like that was pretty much like I just laid it out there. Like that's like there's no way. There's no way. As much as I would love to be in Australia, there's there's no way that I would be able to do that. Um, so I give her a lot of credit for that and just being able to um, to be like accepting of that and roll with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think definitely just in terms of of having Evelyn for me, it's been that adjustment of. Like I said, it was just me taking care of Evelyn before, right. and Evelyn being very used to that, me being very used to that, and then now it's, okay, biblically, you're, you're supposed to nurture your marriage before nurturing the, the kids, yeah. which I mean, a lot of times can go the other way, and especially when you're, it's, you have a child from a previous relationship, yeah. and then this is a new relationship that becomes very difficult to try to balance. 
Um, but I think that that's just been something that we've we've been intentional working on too is that a whole adjustment as a family and making sure that you know Shani feels like I'm giving her the love and attention that she needs while still making sure that everyone feels that and, and we're, we've all been brought into yeah. like the, the family dynamic and that that's that's remained healthy so yeah yeah I would just add that um, you know adjusting to that having a child it really tested me and my faith and I had to come to Jesus and be like you know I'm, I'm really lucky Evelyn we get along really great we have since the beginning and she's seven if you didn't know and um, but also a child so they can be challenging so that was difficult for me to have more patience and I think that we had to have some conversations as to like okay I can't be the disciplinary role that she has to have right I'm more of like um, you know, someone that she can come to and like and have fun with, and you can she can talk about anything with. Yeah. So I think that was something that um, I've had to learn to blend in and adjust to as well. So yeah. You've done such a good job of that. Yeah, you guys really have. It's incredible. Um, would you guys mind if we cut this one short and got onto to a, a couple of legends in the yeah. country? Yeah. I just know we're about yeah. time. Is that alright? Yeah, yeah. Fine. fantastic. Would you guys just give it up for Scott and Shane? And at the same time, would you welcome people that you probably have not heard from, but they are around, they serve, they're here, they have a whole entire army with them. It is Eric and Jody, Michael. When they come, the squad that they bring fills up literally half of the church. So, it's so good, one child at a time. It's amazing. It is amazing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm not, not, not mad at that at all. Um, we'll welcome you guys. How are you? Doing well? Yeah, that's good. Oh, cute. Sorry. There we go. I think it just goes upwards. Yes, sir. Um, so this is Eric and Jody, and they are absolutely incredible. Um, honestly, two of Adrian's also and I's uh, favorite people to hang out with. If you ever get the chance to spend time with them individually, um, you're going to laugh, you're going to have a lot of fun, and you're probably going to walk away with a lot more wisdom than you came in with. And uh, honestly, you guys are just a huge blessing to us as a, as a unit and us as a church, and uh, we're grateful that you're here. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, so just kind of give everybody a little bit of background. How long have you two been married? 22 years. 22 oh. years. <laughs> oh. babies. We got married when we were babies. We were babies. <laughs> Uh, that's so good. And where did you guys meet? Was it uh, was it university or Cornerstone? Cornerstone University. We, we actually, actually met in high school at our um, pre orientation. Ooh. And I did prom that night. And I went back and said, "I'm the boy. I'm gonna marry." Oh. Oh. Really? Wow! Tall, dark, and handsome. Come on, there it is. I like it. And you've had a fruitful 22 years. Mm -hmm. Yes. You have how many children? <laughs> I had to agree to not have kids before she would say I do. <laughs> so something went terribly wrong. <laughs> oh, so we have, we have five. Wait, is that your story? We had so many yes. forms of something go terribly awry. Like, we tried them all. <laughs> they all kept going terribly wrong. Oh, man. Uh, you guys are so fantastic. How about you kids? You love your parents? Love you. Love you. <laughs> And actually, they were such fantastic parents that uh, two of their children um, are actually beginning to serve and take over kids. Yeah. Uh, even our little man, Abram, is going to the seventh grade. He must be like a student leadership. It's incredible. So uh, you guys are definitely, definitely doing things. Yeah. Uh, right I asked there. Eric, I'm like, at what point are we going to like give our typical joke so it's right now? Please. God knew we were such a hot mess. Like we were going to be spending so much time raising ourselves that He really did give us at least the first three. They're Kids, ready, like, to ready to go. They're better adults than us. We can't take a ton of credit for all that, but that's incredible. So okay, so 22 years of marriage, which is absolutely astounding and amazing, and. To be honest, a rarity in this day and age. Yeah. Um, we're going to refer to that as a marathon marriage. And so, a question is: our first question today is, what do you believe that it takes to make it this long in a marriage? 
And I was, I was looking through these questions and it's like, how much time? <laughs> how much time do we have? I think we, we're fortunate in the sense that, you know, you say 22 years marathon marriage, but her parents have been married, married over 45 years, coming yeah. up on 50. Yeah. My parents have been married for 46 years. And they like each other. Like, they haven't been perfect, but it's like, it's not like separate lives that really just come together type of. So we've had this model in front of us of, of the whole dying to self that you guys talked about. And I've given Jody plenty of reasons to die. <laughs> no joke, it took me a second to catch that. Awesome. So, um, and then we were both brought up, um, Jesus was again a literal focus, focal point of our families and so we were directed that way and um, it's been a journey it's been cool watching that relationship with him grow in depth um, but it's funny when I was younger I knew a lot more and had a lot more definitive thoughts on things and as I get older um, God's grace and God's love and the opportunity that we have to love and let Him take care of uh, correcting uh, different things um, yeah. has played into our marriage. Um, acceptance of one another in, in the areas that you want to change one another. Yeah. And that's the other thing, you don't, 20 years later, you're not the same people you were when you started. Right. right? Um, and some of that's for the good, some of that's not for the good, There's, you know. And, and she's changed in ways that like I didn't direct all that, she didn't direct me, you know, so continuing that journey and uh, of being able to support and root for each other um, and straying away from that and have to come back. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. No, you're good, uh, you're good, you're good. Those have all been, been massive things. Um, we have guiding principles all the time um, that we look to. We went all over this last night and saw playing now, so I don't know. Yeah, he's the more organized one. I was like, well, let's go up there and know what to say. And it'll be fun. There's so many things we could say. There's so many stories we could share. Um, you know, for me, I think one of the most surprising things, we hit year 20, and I didn't know if we were going to make it. I mean, it was definitely our hardest year ever, and that caught me really off guard. Like. We've been doing this thing forever. We've been through some massive things. We've hurt each other very deeply. We've had to get through that. We've lost a home. Um, we've had children. We had a daughter. Um, our six-week-old was critically ill for um, with whooping cough. Like we've been through some stuff, but I did not see this wave coming, and so um, that was really, really surprising to me. And and it is right. Like I always feel like. There are seasons of intentionality where we, we make purposeful choices and we put each other first. Um, but when those waves come, it really was the things we were anchored to that gave us any chance at all. And um, it's the only thing you can go back to is Jesus really is life and God is real. Yeah. And that's we had to go back to the basics and start there and hang on to that. And I had to trust God in a totally different way um, to get us through that. It didn't look like I thought it was going to look, mm -hmm. but I knew he was real, so I had to yeah. wrestle with that. Yeah. How critical would you say um, that therapy for married couples is? Counseling, counseling, counseling. Yeah, and Jesus <laughs> plus therapy. Yeah. Just pencil it in, like at least every five years. Like, just line it up. Completely appropriate, very normal. It feels like it's going great, go anyway. Yeah, I really, really though. I just wanted to, I just wanted to put that in there because, I mean, as somebody who's been in therapy many, many times, um, e even when we were dating, even when we were engaged, I was in therapy, and it continued after we were married, and it is, it is so important, and there is absolutely zero anything wrong with it. I know that there is a stigma. But I mean, having someone come alongside you and help counsel and give you something to lean on, I mean. Yeah, and help you hear each other. You know, um, something that Eric has said through this course in the last couple of years that was, has been really eye-opening to me. So we, we talk a lot pride and idolatry um, being the core of most sins. Um, and so that was like comfortable language. I, I could see. Who keeps the ringer on? 
so good. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's Mom, she's watching you on TV right now. <laughs> um, so anyways, so pride, like I could see a lot of that in me, like, okay, I'm being really prideful here, like this is all about me. Um, but my pride tends to take a very self-protective bent. Mm -hmm. And so there are lots of times where I feel like I can keep myself safe way better than Jesus can. Mm -hmm. And definitely way better than Eric can. And um, he said, you know, that he thinks that self-protection is so destructive. And that has really been eye-opening to me over the last two years, how much I do to keep myself safe and how destructive it really is. And, and it is very prideful. Like, I cut Jesus out of a lot of areas. I try to look ahead and see what could go wrong and react to that certain way, which costs me a lot of vulnerability and authenticity. And, and wow. it's, it's been an ugly mess to untangle. But so good, Jim. Yeah, that's what an incredible answer. I feel like I just got a little bit of freedom out of that. I'm a very uh, self I'm like a freaking Iron Man. Like, you yeah. you come at me, it's like, Burlo, <laughs> <laughs> you trying to touch me now. <laughs> uh, it's almost visible. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Honestly, like, the best part about these questions is that they're going to lead to places that maybe we didn't expect. And so, kind of kind of going off track a little bit here, but, but when it comes to that, what... How has how has like forgiveness played a role in 22 years of marriage? I mean, you guys have said that you've gone through some hardships. Like, I feel like you already answered the question that was before this, but you went through a lot of hardships. You've gone through some things. You battled from underneath, and you've had some victory. What role has forgiveness played in a strong, healthy marriage? I, I think it's been forgiveness is huge. You know, I mean, going to the like in a personal relationship with Jesus, like it's it's hard to separate following Christ from learning and developing and, and, and growing the muscle of forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, it looks differently at different times, and there's and there's moments where it's like you can't you can't see it. You can't. You're just like Jesus. You're gonna you know that whole you'll change my heart. You'll you'll grow my mind. You gotta do that thing because I can't get there type of. But I think what's been huge for, for us, and please know that we know, like 22 years, like we've screwed up a lot of things. Every now and then there's things that have gone right more than before. So one of the things that's been good is um, both of us, after we get through the pride, and I mean, we, we fight, we play hard, we fight hard. Mm -hmm. it, um, but um, she's so, like, she's so willing to be like, man, I'm sorry. Um, and I'd like to think that, that I get there too at times. And um, and there's times that you don't you don't I don't want to be sorry right now. I still want to, I still want to be dead for a while. So but we've learned, you know, the repetitiveness of that in particular, like we're gonna forgive eventually, so we might as well just jump in <laughs> right, right, yeah. right now. So one of the one of the dorky things I said to her back when I was trying to convince her it was a great idea to get married to me the year before we graduated college and no money was I played a lot of sports and within those teams every season we came to a point of hardship something that we've had and one of two things happened either the team self imploded or we got closer as we fought through it right. it's like divorce is an option so we're going to be super tight you know and very wise words. I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and, um, but the forgiveness is a part of that getting through, like when you get to those spots, the forgiveness is part of what brings you closer yeah. and closer together. And when you can't feel it, when you can't see it, when it doesn't make any sense, like knowing, we're just going to forget how I feel, know what is true, yes. and keep walking until it's, it's true. Yes. And, and eventually have, have faith that we'll be on the other side. Yeah. yeah. So, so Jody, along the same tracks, I kind of want to hear from you on this. Uh, when it comes to forgiveness, how how important is that vulnerability and honesty in a marriage? Well, it's, Let him know. it's very important and very uncomfortable and not my favorite thing at all in the world. Um, you know, I was pretty 
like I, I'm not that you guys probably, you probably are guys, I'm the good one in, in our relationship. <laughs> I made all the good choices. I was like, you know, it's the good one. Um, Adrian too. <laughs> I get her. So, like, um, so, like, so I'm gonna just tell a quick story. When we were dating, we were getting kind of serious, and then it was like we had that, you know, breakup. And we're like, I just was trying to explain to him, oh, I just don't know where you're going in life. I'm just not sure. Blah blah. And he said, Listen, I have a ton of things because he was begging for me. Obviously, my mistake. I have a ton of things I need to work on. I know I've screwed up a lot. And, but I'm, I'm working on those things. He's like, you have some things you need to work on, and we can do this together. And I literally stopped him. I was like, that's probably true. Um, <laughs> I just can't think of any of them. But I meant it. I totally meant it. And I, it took like 15 years for me to realize, oh, I, I'm the difficult one. <laughs> I'm the high maintenance one. I, I thought I did him a favor because he had done all these mistakes and you know and I had always taken the high road and made the, the better choices and um, what had slowly been happening through that is um, Eric is and one of the things I fell in love with is he's very sincere and so yeah he might do something wrong but then he owns it and um, he apologizes and he walks into a different place after that um, I play the victim really well and so forgiving him was just like boosting up my moral edge on him all the time. And um, and I think I really had to, I had to go, our marriage was not what I thought it would be seven or eight years in. We had a ton of kids, which was not on my list of things to do. Um, I was working full time. He was going through some stuff. Um, I was disappointed in my marriage, which was a crazy failure to me. I felt like my attitude should be better. I should choose better. I should be able to love him. I should be able to love my life. Um, I felt like I was failing really badly. And I had to talk to God and say, I'm disappointed with my life, which felt like death to me. Um, because it's not who I thought I was supposed to be. It's not how I was going to save Eric from himself. It's not how I was going to lead kids to, to eventually know Jesus. Like, it felt like everything was lost in that minute. And I, it, it wrecked me. Um, but it was that point where I started to realize what an incredible liar I had become. So I would, like, Eric would ask me, how are you? And I would be like, no, I'm fine. It's okay. I've got this worked out. It's all right. And so I kept hiding more and more and more of myself from him, which caused a lot of problems between us. Um, and so it was that moment of kind of entering into um, who I actually was, engaging the actual reality of my life, and having courage with a counselor to talk to Eric about those things, um, and understanding forgiveness in a totally different way, and being willing to not just forgive him, but seek to understand him. Um, not just not just paint it white and pretend that it's right. pretty, but yeah. face who I am and my, rely, my total reliance on Christ and Christ says that I am. Yeah. Um, so, so forgiveness does really go hand in hand with a good, healthy marriage and vulnerability, and it's really hard. I found a verse, it's somewhere in Luke, I'm so terrible. I promise it's there, but <laughs> I can't tell you where. Um, but Jesus, the disciples asked Jesus, like, how many times do we forgive? And he's like, about seven, yeah, 70 times seven. And um, the, the sentence for the disciples right before the next section of scripture starts is, Lord, give us faith. <laughs> That's it. Because in that moment with Jesus, when I had to accept forgiveness, um, I had to believe what he said was going to be true because my whole path for keeping our marriage together, for being the model wife, for being a good mom, I had just wrecked because my my attitude couldn't keep up with it because I couldn't carry the burden of it. All of a sudden I had to rely on Jesus to produce those things and um, it was that faith unbelief thing came like right in front of my face. So it's a huge, forgiveness is huge and because we've gone that route with it, the vulnerable route with it. We have made it um, to this point. So far. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's really <laughs> <laughs> no, fantastic. And I know I know we're running a bit uh, late at the moment, so I want to ask you guys just one more question, if we could. Um, and thank you so much for just being so incredibly honest. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it, it's really refreshing to hear like you don't you don't have it. You're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. You don't have it all together. But God is in it. You're in it, and you're going to see victory on the other side of it. And so. For, for whether you're in here today and your marriage, you've been in it for 30 years, longer, shorter, or you're dating, what advice would you, I know there's so much, uh, but maybe one or two things that you guys could say to people who are both dating and married to really help them maybe avoid the struggles that you guys had, but also just, just to run the race set before them really, really well. So there's two things that pop into my head. So maybe they were from Jesus. <laughs> so early on when we, when we did counseling, marriage counseling, um, they described kind of like um, when God's a part of the relationship as like the letter A. So, you know, I have my relationship with Jesus and she has her relationship with Jesus and that kind of connects us to each other. The problem is, is that that imagery is codependent. I'm dependent on her getting there. I'm getting there. And so somewhere along the way, somebody's like, can we just make that an H? And it's like, I have my own individual relationship with Jesus. And the best thing I can do for my kids, that I can do for my wife, that I can do for my community, is to keep Jesus at priority number one. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's just some times that like, I'm feeling distant enough from them that I want to grasp and I want to, I want to pour into making this, right? Yeah. And, and, and drop him down. And it never works. It, it never works. Um, when I can keep him at first priority, um, and especially when she's doing the same thing, that you know, in the letter H, there's this, and, and when you're talking management and mystery of Jesus, there's things that we can manage, and there's things that we have no idea how that just happened. Right. Yeah. And when we're both um, keeping Jesus number one, the depths that we feel connected um, on so many different, the intimacy of everything is, is it's all-time high issue. Yeah. So it's it's Sunday schoolish, I guess. But again, keeping keeping God in His proper place, and then and then the second part of that in priorities for us, and we think that we can show this scripturally, like Jesus is my priority number one. Uh, and and because we both see that, it's easy for me if she needs to get away and do X, Y, or Z. Um, there's a there's a good take there. Second is the priority to my wife. And what we see, everybody says that, um, but we see this challenge in our marriage and we've seen it in others where really the kids get, mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what's going on here, they need X, Y, or Z. Right. And we start, um, we start distancing because we've stopped making us a priority right. um, and just focus on the kids. And when the kids graduate, We've had some of those happen. We still have plenty of us at home, so that's, <laughs> we're not here yet. But I've heard stories of kids graduating, and now, now what are we? Right. We're in the same room. Right. So making specific time to not set and look parallel screen, but to rotate. Like we pick out restaurants that don't have TV screens. Try to go well back and do restaurants. Home. Right. Um, <laughs> because as a man, you know, typically there's a screen where we're. Doesn't even matter if you care what's on it. Yep. So making her priority, pursuing her, um, wanting to know her interests, wanting to ask her about what's going on with life for the true sake of wanting to know, um, and not just what I'll get out of it later on. You know? Right. Um, so that's the, to me, Jesus number one is the obvious, and I think we typically do okay with it. Um, it falls out of place at times, but when things when things start to go rough, we can come back to these priorities. Jesus, wife, kids, then church, ministry, job, everything else. Because once church, even doing ministry, once you put it in front of those other things, it's become an idolatry. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and so these are these have been these are things that blew my mind as as they come along. And so we can always go back to that to like, okay, why is things rough right this second? And right. Put that down. So those are the two things. Anything else to add, Jody? I would just say it's really easy to like when you get ticked off at your your other partner to like go and tell somebody about it, um, and which sometimes is healthy and is a really fine line. So right. just be really careful with um, who you're sharing even that kind of stuff yeah. with because you you want to feed it, you know, right. you want to feed that that anger and that self righteousness and. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to sort it out and you have something that can point you to Jesus yes, to sort it out, absolutely. do that. Please right. do that. Um, 
and then remember to tell him when he does when it's correct yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is fantastic. Thank you guys so much. You guys give Eric and Joey. Service a, a little bit differently today. Um, you okay? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I don't mean to almost knock you over. Um, one service a little bit differently today, Amy, if that's good with you. Uh, if everybody could just bow their heads and close their eyes. Uh, I just am so grateful for um, the the leaders in our church today that have been willing to, to step up and um, really just share the testimony of what Jesus has done in their relationships and in their single seasons. and. Um, from Eric and Jody and 22 years of knowledge, like we will have them up here again. We will do that again. We will hear because uh, we're a church that wants to go back to the well. Amen. Yeah. We want to keep drawing from that well of wisdom from what God has done in their lives. And that's incredible. And the same with uh, Scott Shandy and Zach and Amy. So we'll be hearing from all of them again. And, um, but right now, it, it would be really remiss of me and a huge mistake and a spiritual malpractice if I didn't give you the chance to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. I don't know where everyone in the room is at today. There's nobody looking around. There's nobody judging. This is your moment. Maybe you've had a marriage that's been on the rocks and now you want to start building it on the solid rock that is Jesus. Maybe you've had a single life that has been on the rocks and you feel like you were just beat up and you've been by yourself for so long or maybe it has nothing to do with relationships. Maybe your life in general just hasn't been as fulfilling as you know it can be and the only way that that fulfillment is Jesus. And so in this moment, if that's you, this is a moment where we're going to celebrate. We're not going to embarrass you. We are going to celebrate you because you are coming home. Heaven has no shame in it. I don't know if you know that or not. I know in West Michigan that can get a little murky and a little muddy and a little misconstrued. There is no shame in heaven. So right now, if you decide you want to follow Jesus, well, it's a riot up there. It's a happy time up there. It's a party. It's going to be a party here. We're going to make some noise for you. So if that's you and you want to commit your life maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, or for the first, like, real time. That's you. No one's looking around. No one's judging. This is a moment between you and your father. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand up as high enough and long enough just so that I can see it and you can put it right back down. I just want to know who I'm going to pray over in just a moment. Incredible. Father God, I just thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for the worship set, the time that we got to have just seeking your heart and your face, God, and for the wisdom that we got to share from up here, God. We're so grateful for uh, leaders and human beings that are just willing to lay down their lives and say, hey, it's messy, but God's been in it. He's been good, and we can just testify to your goodness today, God. Thank you for everything that you've done. We believe through summer love, and God, that you have strengthened marriages. You have strengthened single people, and you have re-equipped those who have been through divorce, God, and you have just really set up our single people, God, to not have to live swipe to swipe, but with conviction to conviction, God. And so we just thank you so much for today. I thank you for everybody in this house, God. Be with us as we go into this week. It is going to be an incredible week, God. We know that we are a favored people, God, that we are a royal priesthood, that we are a peculiar people, and we are a peculiar people because our God went to the cross so we can walk in victory. Yeah. So we thank you for the promise of victory in this next week, God. Be with our people. We love them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Stick around. Hang out in the lobby, and we'll see you guys.